Oh well, hello, Ambush! Welcome to this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast, here with me, your host, Colton G, and today on the show, I am joined by singer-songwriter Raph Pylon, as we're talking about his latest track, King's Lane. Yes, King's Lane is a powerful new single from Raph Pylon, and not only does it see him teaming up with the storied Tito Jackson, it also sees him teaming up with Amnesty International to fight a very important topic, systemic racism. We're diving into what inspired this song. How did a member of the Jackson 5 end up becoming involved with the project and even the music video as well? We're not just talking about that. Oh no. Oh no. We're diving into Raph's time as the lead singer of pop rock group Bridgeway and what it was like to transition from that sound into this new pop world that Raph finds himself in right now. What was it like to release his first singles, his first tracks as Raph Pylon, which also saw him recording with a symphony, 19 different stringed instruments. What was it like to have that opportunity? We're also going to be talking to Raph today about his time competing on the latest this current season of The Voice over in Montreal in Quebec. We're also going to take a little bit of time to talk to Raph today about hockey. Not just the NHL, but also EA Sports NHL hockey. What are some of his favorite songs from those games? What game has his favorite soundtrack? All of this, all of this, and more in this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast. And it is all brought to you by Desert tigermerch.com because that's where you go to copy yourself something from the show to rep us everywhere you go desert tigermerch.com hats and toques are gonna be selling out super soon we have like almost no smalls in pretty much all of our items so if you want any of those you got to move now because after this weekend they might actually be gone all right and it's about time that we got the vibe right for this conversation with raf pylon and what better way what better way to do so than to play this latest track this is king's lane Everything closes I'm walking along this street Where grows a million roses The castle right beside me Leaves me speechless I'm not dreaming at all It's all in front of me This past and present collided For some reason Makes me wonder if I could be More than a hopeless boy In a world so wild and hazy The old kings of this world not any better now If only my words Could ring all 
started all over Back at a time I felt like I had all the answers Never cared about the time cause I had forever And I was proud to fall Wanted everything without trying Don't bother fighting, not really listening But it only takes a minute around here To figure out all these things you've been wondering about in a hurry Just a little glimpse of the roses makes you happy But it won't make it better now If only my complain can't complain it's a beautiful day outside and well that's that's all i really need to smile some days so (laughs) so we're connecting today to talk a little bit about your musical journey yeah that's right all right are you ready to dive on into it sure yeah all right so let's jump into this from my research i see that you are quite the multi-instrumentalist starting with drums at the age of three progressing through a few different instruments so did you grow up in a musical family was the gift of music passed down to you that way or how did you come into this musical journey how did it begin yeah i mean i actually i actually have a uh, a musical family on my dad's side for sure 
mom's side is more music fan stuff, but my dad was a guitar player for years and uh, some of my uncles had bands or like uh, my, uh, my godfather has been, uh, has been a classical singer for years when he was younger too. So uh, it's been very strong on that side of the family. And that's where I picked it up from. Like my dad would literally uh, started, you know, he started um, recording when I was a kid, there was this thing from the Beatles called the anthology that came out some sort of documentary. Yeah. And then it, he, he recorded it on tape. That's how old I am, I guess at this point, but <laughs> he, you know, we had it, uh, we had it at home like that. And I kind of caught it at the corner of my eyes. Like, like you said, when I was two, three years old and I was like, what is that? And, and then, then my dad showed it to me one night and it, it just turned my world upside down. And I just wanted to do that my whole friggin' day. For three, four years, I did that, like playing drums and like copying what the Beatles were doing on screen and listening to songs. And it was it, it just became my life for, for all that time until I picked up hockey a little later, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that always seems to happen once you get into the uh, team sports sort of uh, era of our lives. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's just a matter of like you get to meet people and you have all these things happening. And sometimes, you know, you move to different interests for a period. But, it, you know, I went back full, full circle when I when I became of age and I just started doing music again and it just became my life now. You know, OK, so what have when you came back into it, would that have been when you began and played within Bridgeway? Uh, a little bit before that, to be honest, like at the so at the end of high school, the last few years, they they started a very brand new music program at my high school, which didn't exist before. And then I was like, no, it was my last two years, if I'm not mistaken, of high school. And that's kind of where music became a bigger part of my life. I, I kept playing music through through time. You know, I was, I was having piano classes and I picked up guitar along the way. But those music, those music classes at school really made it, it really made it something like next level for me, you know, because I, I got into a situation where I became like the actual entertainer of the whole high school when they figured out, oh, that guy can actually play, you know, and I was like, Oh, maybe that's my thing, you know? So like from there, I just went like, okay, so I'll just go to college and music, get a little better, meet some more people, and I'll try to start a band. And that's how I got into it. And that's where Bridgeway started. Okay. So you went to college then? Yeah, absolutely. I went for five years, did two different programs. I did uh, songwriting and uh, music arrangement. And I had uh, my, my, my instrument for that period was piano. And then I went back for uh, the other part of the program, which was more like the interpretation studio performance. And I did that one in vocals. So I did like the both, the both sides actually. Okay. So not just studying one area, but multiple areas, just like you've been doing since you were a uh, youth. Yeah. I mean, you know, never, never enough information in that brain when you want to go that far, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you spent some years fronting and playing keyboards in Bridgeway. You guys recorded an album with Tommy Mack of Headley, right. re released a few singles. You guys had quite a bit of success for your first band. So what were some of the uh, important lessons that you say that you learned during those years? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I mean, like, you know, I, I learned many things because... 
as much as we had decent success, we, we, we made certain decisions that directed us a certain way. And I'm, I'm looking back, you know, I'm thinking with, with the experience I got now that probably if we made certain different decisions and we listened to certain people, it would it could have gone different and maybe it could have been, I mean, for the better or, or worse, but I, I don't think everything was wrong that we did. Like we had success because of certain things that we decided to do, but other other things that we decided to 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 left be to leave behind were could have been maybe something that could have made us uh even bigger maybe and may, like at this point maybe we would still be together if that was the case but you know things happened and obviously uh being in a band you learn to deal with uh you know uh different people and you know you have to it's it's like a family and you have like these egos that you have to deal with and it's not always easy, I'll tell you that, but you know, we we still had a lot of fun throughout. Mhm. No, it's for sure. It's being in a band and having a crew can be a really fun experience, but when you're creating and touring and spending so much time together and what the music business is a business, so what comes from fun can become really taxing when maybe some people don't necessarily want to handle the business side of things or whatever aspects it is that happened to be what ha- uh, led to Bridgeway parting ways. You touch a very, yeah, you touch a very important point there. Like the whole business side of things is not necessarily something that all musicians are interested in, you know? So when it gets to the point where like some of the, some of the guys want to get involved in it and the others don't, but then everybody wants to kind of, feel like they they all have the same uh, purpose and 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 work value and in, in the whole you know collective it makes it hard for some people when you're just like a a young guy in your 20s trying to make it and you like everybody's not making the same effort because some are more interested in certain aspects and others don't so it gets it, you know it becomes really touchy sometimes when you have those discussions mhm absolutely for sure so from Bridgeway parting ways you make the decision to go solo you begin recording with the likes of Rob Wells Ben Pelshat Earl Powell some very big names within the music industry this was 2018 so what was it like to begin to craft this Raf Pylon sound well well that was that was so different in the sense that you know I used to I used to rely on a lot of people in the studio to, to work with, you know, my guys were like tremendous musicians to be honest. So like, you know, just sitting down and I would come in with a song and I'd be like, all right, so I have this idea for drums, this idea for guitars and stuff. And then they would just bring me to another level by themselves because they were just that much better than I was at these instruments. I'm a multi-instrumentalist, but what, what it does is it, I'm, I'm very good at everything, but I'm not the best at, any of them you know except maybe piano because i can like i really mastered it throughout the years and i went to college in it but the other is instruments are stuff that i like i'm i'm just having a lot of fun with but these guys it was their thing you know so like obviously i was i was i would trust my drummer with my life going in the studio and be like right this is the idea i got just just make it you know thus the best thing we could ever want on that record now I just end up in a situation where I get in the studio, there's a producer and then there's me and I have all the instruments and it's just like, well, I have to make it friggin' perfect all the time by myself. So I had to literally get better at all these instruments that I kind of left behind for a couple of years because I had like so, so many 
great musicians that I could just rely on. So it was a, it was definitely another experience. And the other thing too, that happened is it, it gave me a lot of creative freedom because obviously like I didn't have to have a bass in the track because there was a bass player in the band. I could just use a synth if I felt like that was the right way to go, you know, and that, that, that made me go to maybe a little more pop sound that I used to have with the band, which was more pop rock, simple plan, Headley era. And, um, you know, I think it, I think it, it was beneficial in that sense. Okay. Awesome. And like you said, it gave you the opportunity to explore various sounds and with your first release which came on march 1st 2019 your mini ep origin you had the opportunity to work with a symphony to record with a symphony so very much definitely a change up so what was it like to finally release your first two songs as raf pylon and what was it like to be able to record with the symphony well, it was it was definitely fun because it had been a long time since the, the the Bridgeway album came out, you know. So I was I was happy to get some more music to my fans and and have something that really sounds like myself. Although at the same time, when you think of you know me releasing symphonic music and stuff like that, it that's definitely not the thing that I'm putting forth when I'm when I'm presenting myself as an artist. But that was really an experience that I wanted to do, and it was it was such a blessed experience man like you don't even know like i was just sitting in the studio like that 19 string musicians just i was sitting down just receiving a wall of sound that's that was like unreal to be honest like <laughs> it was pretty crazy but i really loved it and you know it's it's just something that i really wanted to do and when i released it like the reaction was really good because they were like wow okay that's so different like well that's that's an aspect of rap that we did not like we didn't know about at all so that was interesting to do that but then you know coming coming forward with the next singles that i came with you know the can't let you goes and the king's lane that's more kind of the sound that i'm going towards for my let's let's call it the uh professional um pop sound you know more like my brand type of thing mm -hmm. all right well let's talk about when that brand finally releases with can't let you go may 2nd 2019 so this is finally your true interpretation of the direction you're going that pop world you mentioned earlier so what does can't let you go uh mean to you both lyrically and with the releases your first single going into and now introducing people to your true new sound? Well, in terms of the lyrics, it was really just a, a collective effort, to be honest. Like I had, you know, I had this idea of doing the song. I started, I actually, that was the first song that I kind of produced by myself to start with. I was, you know, I, I was starting to get the hang of, uh, you know, production in my house and everything. I put myself a little studio together and uh, I created this loop that became like the basics for, for can't let you go. And then I started writing some of the lyrics about it and the whole can't let you go thing was like, I, I write a lot of stuff about life and that period for me was kind of a period where, you know, it, it was on and off with, with certain girls that I cared about. And, you know, everybody has these times and I was a little confused with, with my own personal life, to be honest, because like with the band gone, I was just like, I had a lot of questions in my head. So it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of things like that with the can't let you go also probably having something to do with the meaning of I can't let go of certain things in my life but then I still got to move forward and make things happen so 
it was kind of it was kind of all these things at once and then in terms of the sound it was just like the first time that i really had an, an impact in the production in itself more than just bringing in the song you know so it was interesting in that sense too and working with earl and ben on that track really made it just next next level in terms of how great it sounded you know because they they took my loop and my song and they just went like okay so we could add this and that and we could we could make this sound like this and we just move things together and we collaborated and, and the you know just with the goal of making it sound like the best record we possibly could and i think we 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 did a very good job at that okay no it's uh definitely a very good song and enjoy it and also enjoy the uh bilingual version of the track as well that released on november 8th 2019 but there was eight months between that uh bilingual version and your latest track now king's lane so obviously the world shut down and there's a few reasons a lot of people have had to change their plans so this period of time between singles, is that partially because of this pandemic situation or were there other factors as well? Uh, well, I mean, you know, sure didn't help because that's, <laughs> that was hard time for everybody. But um, to, be, to be fair, like the main reason for, for that time period where I didn't release anything is because I was on The Voice here in Quebec. And, you know, the way these shows work is you have contracts that you have to respect and everything and, and some of the elements kind of held me back from releasing new music for the time I was on the show. So I had to, I had to hold back on some of the material that I wanted to release. And that was fine. You know, I was, I understood the, the situation. I was okay with it. But then the moment that I had those, so, you know, set, had more freedom during summer um, through some releases of like clauses of the contracts and stuff with the voice, uh, I, I just felt like I had an opportunity there and with everything happening this summer with all these racial tensions in the U.S. and like even some some of the stuff that we live over here, you know, because like, you know, with everything that happened, even even this week with what happened in Quebec with with um, with Joyce, I was just like, wow, OK, like it just it just shocks me every time, you know, and I felt like I I'm, I'm no politician. So, you know, I'm thinking of what are the best ways for me to express myself about those things and i i had that song ready and i was just i was just like that now's the time to talk about this and you know the fact that we had all these collaborators joining into to that to that one particular song just meant a, lo a lot to me Mm-hmm. no it's uh king's lane is definitely a very powerful song especially in this current social climate like you say with what's going on south of our border in the United States and even here home in Canada where back at the last United States uh, election a lot of people were saying oh we're not that bad and look at how much things have changed in the last four years and just how crazy things have become so it's definitely as artists like you said not politicians but it's still important to try and voice our opinions try and help be the change that we want to see within the world. So I'm very glad that this song comes at this time. So what was it like to also be able to work with the legendary Tito Jackson on this track as well? And you also partnered with Amnesty International, continuing to be the change you want to be. So what has these opportunities been like with Kingsland? Oh, it's, pretty, it's been pretty amazing, honestly. Like, you know, it was it was 
crazy because the basically when I recorded King's Lane, we did that in Los Angeles, and that was with Earl Powell again. And uh, I started recording out there in, in like what looked like a house studio, but I didn't know exactly where I was until I started looking around me and I just saw some like Jackson 5 amplifiers here and there tagged and everything. I was just like, where, where the hell am I now? Like, and I, and I, I really, I literally asked, I had to ask uh, Earl to be like, like, where did you bring me? And he literally told me like, well, you're in one of Tito's home studios. And I was like, wow, okay. You know? I didn't even know. Like he brought me there, like I, you know, surprise. <laughs> I was like, okay. So we worked there the whole week for like five days. I think it was a Monday through Friday type of week where we recorded the whole song. And on Thursday night around 10 p.m., Tito came back home and like, he was coming back from London, England, or whatever it was he was doing there. And we just met like that. You know, it was pretty amazing to to just meet the guy like this. And it was he was super chill. It's like you know he just came in like we met years ago and we were best of friends just like hey man what's up how's it going everything was super relaxed guy so it was a lot of fun and uh he heard the song throughout the week and he was just like yeah that's really good stuff so when the time came to release it and we felt like you know maybe it would be cool to have him on he was he was glad to accept and he just came on board that is so cool oh wow what an opportunity no it was it was really special and it really, I feel like it really helped the song ring through to people as well, you know, because like having having a name like that. But to me, it's just it's just not just about the name. It's also the fact that it, it just created a, a situation where that speech just makes it, you know, it summarizes everything and it gives a lot of power to it. But it also comes from from this guy that comes from a whole different background than mine. And then you have two very um you know present speakers in the song instead of just being myself just talking about my things so to have this voice just partner up and and you know share my message just gives that much more weight to the to the whole thing i think
So for the music video, of course, it's a little difficult for uh, to record maybe some of our more traditional style of music videos. So with this approach, it was kind of cool. I like how you made it look as if we were watching the video with you as you're watching it on your phone. And another thing I really like is that it included a lot of various people, some of which who have helped you at various stages of your career. So what was it like to put this music video together and to bring together some of these individuals that have helped you come to this point? No, oh, man, it was definitely a thought process at first because we were just like, so what are we going to do now that we can't move from home? <laughs> so we just had to figure out ways to make it happen. But I thought about getting all of my friends into it because I was like, well, you know, I, I want... I want people to share the message. I don't want to be the only one just releasing something in that, you know, it, it just, it just feels like I'm talking by myself. I want to have people back it up if they, if they do feel like it. So I just shared the song with a bunch of my friends and other collaborators and other artists that I, that I have in, in my circle. And I just went like, do you guys feel like, you know, this is something you would back up? And like, if, if so, would you, be, would you care to like sing it with me so that we can make a video off it? And, and, most of them just got on board right away and they were like, well, yeah, that's awesome. Let's do it. So that's kind of how we started doing that. And then afterwards we just, we just started thinking of how I would, you know, be, be a part of the video and what, what my role should be in it. And the fact of 
receiving the video like that kind of just you know it, it came from my videographer and i was just like oh that's, a, that's actually a, co- a really cool idea so let's do it you know and that's how the video came to be but yeah like it was really so much fun and i'm really honored that everybody got on board like that and in a heartbeat it, it just took no time like all of them just went like yeah of course we'll do it you know and i was just like wow okay they're really they're really happy about the message they they support it and they also want to support me at the same time so i was really grateful mm-hmm. well you have been very grateful as you've been shouting out some of these people on your social media as well sharing just how grateful you are for their efforts I mean, it felt like the least I could do, you know, like, you know, they, they did all these things for me in the past few months. So it's just like, well, let's just, you know, talk about these people and let my fans know who they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And of course, big shout out to a past podcast guest for Dio Gibson for being one of those incredible people. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Good friend of mine from Toronto. Ah, uh, good friend too. He's uh, always good to see Dio. He's always hype, always uh, helps to bring out the best in people. Oh, that's for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you recently mentioned that you were on The Voice in Montreal. So what has that opportunity been like to be surrounded by some of the uh, most influential and storied artists from that area and to learn from them? What were some of the uh, lessons that you were able to take forward from this experience? Well, you know, it was definitely a different experience for me to start with the fact of being on like such a big TV show, you know, like it's like all the behind the scenes stuff is is unreal. Like it's so different, like the experience of being with all the people and seeing the production and happen in real time and everything and like all the organization that happens behind it. It was it was definitely an eye opener for me because like, you know, I did I did get TV performances before, but as an artist you're generally handled by everybody and you don't necessarily see everything that's happening. But when you're in a show like that and you're a participant, then it's a whole different ballgame. So it was, it was definitely fun to see all that and see how things are happening. And it gave me a lot of respect for how, you know, TV production is happening and what the work that they do. So that was, that was definitely something that, that I learned on the backside of it. In terms of the show itself, it was just a lot of fun to get to meet some of the artists you know, it was a fun, it was a fun coincidence because like all four of the artists, the coaches that were there this year are really artists that I respect from Quebec that do really great music in their own right. Like for, for the style that they're doing, it's really, really good. And I really respect their, their craft. So it was a lot of fun there. And even like the, the, the big, you know, the, the big guest coach that they had for all of, all of the people was uh, Jeanette Renault, who's like, our own version of Aretha Franklin in Quebec, like, you know, big legend. And um, so it was, it was very, very interesting to have her uh, be in, you know, rehearsals and stuff like that and just drive you forward to be like the best you can be and everything. And like, they really had a lot of um, good tips for me and stuff like, you know, it's, it's details. Like you got TV screens, Make sure you you make eye contact with the people at home. So like open your eyes and look straight into the camera and stuff like that if you can sometimes because it's just good because people feel like you're, you know, you're looking at them and stuff like that that you don't necessarily think about when you're doing a live performance at a festival or stuff like that because it doesn't really matter where you look at that much, you know, because apart from the people in the front rows, they don't really know where you're looking at. So 
that was definitely a game changer for me to just learn these little things and be like, okay, these details might actually make a difference, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it definitely like stuff like that, where you practice being on stage and working in front of a crowd in front of a crowd for so long. And then just that little aspect of cameras gets added in and you don't even think about, oh, well, I should also be engaging these people. Oh, yeah, definitely using that, you know, especially, you know, my coach told me once, you know, these people are the ones that are going to vote for you. (laughs) Like if you actually reach out to them, they're probably going to be like more inclined to be like, well, you know, maybe I'll give a dollar to this person. That's a very good way to look at it. That was an interesting thought. I was just like, yeah, well, it makes a lot of sense, man. (laughs) For sure. So as artists, we definitely grow a lot. From Bridgeway all the way to King's Lane, you've definitely grown as a musician. And I want to know how you feel you have grown not only as a musician, but also as a human being through the process of releasing this music. Ooh, that's a tough one too, man. I, like, I, I, did, I did grow a lot and I've seen it. The same way I told you about, like, you know, some of the... I see some of the decisions we did with the band and we made that some, some decisions we made that led to this or that. And I, it's like looking back now with the experience I got and all this learning process as a musician, but also as a person and how I actually deal with people surrounding me in my, in my work, I kind of feel like, you know, certain things that I maybe did with people or to people, could have been done different or handled in different ways that maybe could have brought us some other places. And the fact that I know now it just, it just makes me behave with people a different way that I, I hope, I, I hope and think is more positive maybe than I could have been when I was, you know, just a, just a young kid in his early twenties thinking he had the world in front of him, just ready to feel everything that he was going to give that cause, cause I was, I was so much, awesome in my head you know and it's just like yeah well i mean you know i got something to give but keep working man you know so that's the type of thing that you know you get to learn over time and to be to be respectful of everybody that's helping you and and all these things is so important you know i've and i've always been somebody that was respectful but also at the same time i wasn't necessarily somebody to show it so much i guess and i had some like maybe i was a little distant at times in terms of like my you know my feelings and my intentions towards certain things so i try to i try to make myself more open with people as much as possible now that i know that you know it's really important for people to feel that you know you're happy that they're doing their work and not just not just feel like it's granted you know so kind of things i i learned over time for sure Mm, great answer very good answer All right, we're going to change up the vibe just a little bit for a second to take a uh, dive into your love of hockey. Of course, you said that you played hockey as well. Did you grow up a big fan of the uh, Montreal Canadiens? Ah, man, you you bet. (laughs) Coming from Montreal, there was no choice. I mean, if I I were a little bit older, I could have told you Quebec Nordiques maybe, but that was gone by my time. Still have a Quebec Nordiques shirt though. I just bought one this summer. I was just I was in Quebec City traveling because you know with COVID and everything it was harder to go around. So we stayed we stayed nearby and I went with a buddy of mine. We 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 hung out in Quebec City and we got into this sports store and I found a Quebec Nordiques shirt and I was just like, you know what? I guess it's about time. <laughs> so I brought it back home and now I have 
a nice fancy fleur de lis shirt. And I'm really happy about it. Nice, nice. Gotta represent. Yeah, man. <laughs> I saw that you have a uh, Spotify playlist of some of your favorite EA Sports NHL music tracks that have been used through the video games through the years. Oh man, yeah. So, do you have an like an upper echelon of those songs? Like, is there like tippy top songs from those games that you must say were your absolute favorites? To be honest, if if I was to tell you the one song, the one soundtrack of all NHL games that I love the most was NHL two thousand three. All right, Ooh. like they had so many good songs. Like you know. In terms of the collective thing, like I think there's a couple of songs that maybe I loved more over time. Like one that really, really uh, stand out in my in my mind is uh, Paramore's "Misery Business." That was I think in an, like I think that was NHL 2008, if I'm not mistaken. But that that song was I picked it up on the on the actual game. I didn't know of it before, and I was just like, "Wow, man, that girl's fucking awesome." <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how I picked it up, and I that really that really stands out as one of the best. And I have a couple ones like I I discovered Airborne through through that too, and uh, Bat Country from Avenged Sevenfold, and Red Flag from Billy Talent. That those were all awesome songs throughout. But uh, NHL 2003 as a whole, though, definitely wins it because all the songs were awesome back to back to back. There was nothing bad in this game like everything was crazy to me that's that's definitely the the best soundtrack i ever had in a hockey game uh i actually might have to agree with you there i had a nhl 03 on the gamecube back in the day and that oh, soundtrack yeah, that was, was killer hey man oh yeah I, I had gamecube too that was the best man nice nice yeah i remember they had default and freaking uh just all sorts of different Papa bands Roach. yes oh yeah Oh yeah, I think they had like two or three songs with Papa Roach. Like it was crazy. Mm-hmm. No, that soundtrack was lit. It was good times. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? Like the the there's one other pl- like soundtrack that I really loved that wasn't an actual EA Sports NHL game. And I don't know, like for with you having a GameCube, I think maybe you're gonna know what I'm talking about. NHL hits. Ooh yes. That was something else, man. Mm-hmm. No, that was also just jam-packed full of just goodies. My goodness. Oh, and what a game, man. What a game. Mm-hmm. I, I played. I, I think I played that game for 10 years straight. Like, I would go back <laughs> to my GameCube even though I was on Xbox 360 and I'd be just like, fuck it. I want, I want to make myself a team with cow heads and, like, pharaohs and stuff. You could do so much weird stuff with that game. It was insane. If I could, if I still had my GameCube, I would track down that game. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. Well, you know, if anything, you could probably find something on the internet to get it. You know, oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure I could somewhere track it down. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm, there's there's many, many times where I feel like I'm just going to grab myself a little PC laptop and just grab myself like a bunch of emulators and play all the other all the old GameCube game boy games that we used to have and then all these things that you can't really find anywhere anymore you know oh that'd probably be a good option too i should look in emulators Ooh, didn't even think of yeah, that yeah, yeah well don't don't talk about it too too loud because oh, yeah 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 keep it on the down low <laughs> I, I, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna see if they exist yes oh yeah for sure well see i looked it up I, th- I think they do i think they have <laughs> and stuff like that but yeah 
I would never consider hitting that download button, ever. <laughs> please, please, if you do, just make sure you didn't buy something too expensive to play press download on. Just, just buy, <laughs> just buy a cheap laptop that you don't really mind having viruses in. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Something. Don't that do you're... it on your MacBook Pro. Please. <laughs> Not the thing that you do the business on. That that would be a mistake. That's right. That's right. Keep that thing clean. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what does the uh rest of 2020 hold for raf pylon well we're working on a christmas record now to be honest oh oh so, yeah that's gonna be different we have a little something uh nice surprise for you it's a really big project that we're working on right now so uh we'll see how things go but we're uh we don't have a, a, a specific date uh, like release date so far but it's coming like in the next few weeks we're going to be able to announce what the project is in detail i think so it'll be a lot of fun and uh we so we have that and i have an album coming in uh 2021 that we're working on uh it's going to be released around march i think okay hype hype all right and we're still and we're still running that uh I, you mentioned it really quickly uh, before I, we're still running this uh fundraiser the million roses fundraiser for uh, we're collecting money for um, uh, so Amnesty International, who's going to make a sensitization program against um, all the, you know, systemic racism that uh, we have in Canada. So they're taking care of that, and we're gonna we're gonna help them by collecting money through um, through Kings Lane and the Million Roses fundraiser. Okay, awesome. Well, before I ask my last question, it's probably a good idea to ask where can the listeners of the podcast go if they want to possibly contribute to that effort? Uh, well, the easiest way is to go either on my website, uh, rafpylon.com, or find the information on uh, my my multiple social media. You can you can look at my Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it's all going to be written on it. At rafpylon is my handle. So you can go look me up there. You can give a follow, and then you can find uh, all the info in my bio. All right, awesome, and they definitely should go and do that. A fantastic cause. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy that Amnesty is doing this thing. It was just such a great timing, actually. You know, we called them, and we, I, I, that was the first organization I had in mind, and we started talking with them in Montreal here. I was really just, like, asking what they were up to lately and if they were backing any of that, because they're a, they're, they're a human rights organization, right? So... I was just like, well, okay, well, what are you guys are doing right now? And they said, yeah, we're we're starting in this fall. We're going to do this this program to to sensitize Canadians about all these things. And I was just like, wow, okay, what what a perfect timing. Let's just you know, let's just partner up on that. And they agreed to it. So here we are. All right, awesome. Well, I see that your goal is two thousand dollars. So hopefully, we can uh, not only reach but crush that. I would love that. Honestly, we're we're that was goal number one, but we're expecting to go uh, as as high as possible. And we're trying to, you know, we're trying to give that money around Christmas time. Actually, we, I believe we're gonna leave it open until um, until Christmas time, and we're gonna give them uh, all the money for twenty twenty one start. All right, awesome, awesome. Well, hopefully, like I said, the ambush decides to help out with that, so that you can make the uh, most of this effort. Thank you so much, man. I'm definitely hoping this is going to turn out well for everybody. And that's going to help us, uh, you know, move towards a society where uh, we're a little more uh, tolerant, welcome, and inclusive, you know? I can, I can only hope for the same, my friend.
All right, last question. So, in my research, I see that you are a necklace. It has the words, you're the music in my heart inscribed on them. So what is the importance of this pendant, of this message that is inscribed on it? And that's pretty crazy that you picked that up, man. But yeah, it was so... The, the story behind it is basically it's uh, it's my ex-girlfriend who gave me that necklace when we started uh, when we started dating and that that was just around it that was right in the turnaround between uh, Bridgeway and my solo career so that's kind of what that's that's kind of what started my my movement towards you know doing my my things by myself and everything and um, she was there to support me at that period of time you know and um, yeah, she's that. That's just a necklace that she gave me for Christmas, actually. And you know that that's, I think, one of the very first, uh, very like truly meaningful things that you know somebody did for me, uh, in you know in that manner. So it it really had a lot of impact for me. And um, you know, even though we're not together anymore, that's the type of things where I'm I'm not somebody that has a lot of. Um, grief over people you know and and like i i really like to keep the positives of uh everybody that i met throughout my life especially you know girlfriends and people like that where i mean there's a reason we've been together for some time and i i truly believe that you know i grew up to become a better person through um you know having these these ladies in my life even though it was for a certain period of time and and it wasn't forever like they still had an impact and they they brought a lot of happiness to my life during that time so that's why I'm not really shy of wearing it still, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. Is not everything lasts forever. Sometimes some people are here for a moment to help us realize something or to help us grow, and they too also have the opportunity to grow from those moments. That's right, yeah. And I'm definitely feeling like, you know, both of us in that moment uh, definitely learned from each other and, and grew up to become a better person that we were at the start and that's you know that's what it's all about at the end hey, well i'm glad to hear that and i wish to continue to see the further growth from you going forward from a uh, christmas track moving forward into an album and beyond thanks man i'm definitely looking forward to it as well so excited to release some new music man that was awesome and thanks a lot to you Oh, I had an awesome time. Raph had an awesome time. I hope that you, the Ambush, had an awesome time listening to this conversation. I hope you also had an awesome time hearing the two tracks we played for you today by Raph Pylon. Those, of course, being King's Lane and Can't Let You Go. You can find both of these tracks as well as the rest of Raph Pylon's catalog on, yes, your favorite music streaming service. It is that easy. And when you're there, go ahead and hit follow so that when Raph is dropping more music, it makes its way into your ears onto your phone ASAP. And with that, it is now time for our final Desert Tiger podcast roaring thank yous and a roaring DTP thank you to Raph Pylon for joining us here today. A roaring DTP thank you to Amanda over at Vocab Communications for setting the whole thing up and a big roaring DTP thank you to you. 
the am bush for tuning into this episode if you haven't joined on up with the am yet it's super easy all you have to do is go ahead and hit subscribe on the podcast listening service you're using right now you can also help the show by giving us a big old fat five stars you can also share this episode it's as easy as taking a screenshot sharing that image and tagging rap pylon the desert tiger podcast and me the colton g when you do so you can also help the show out by going and checking out the merchandise at desert tiger merch.com and copping yourself something or wrapping the show every single place that you go yes all right everybody this friday on the show we are joined by ryan hillier as we discuss his 2020 album no excuses and that's all going down like i said this friday so until then you know what's going on you know how it is i want you yes you to go out and find your mountaintop to find your oasis whatever it is that makes your heart sing to its fullest capacity go out there craft that passion make it yours and then sing out across the canyon sing out across that waterfront and show the world just how beautiful the thing that you have created is just how beautiful you are capable of being as well and sometimes we just don't hear it enough so i'm gonna tell you again I'm going to slow it down even. You are beautiful. Yes, yes, you are. And until next week, bye-bye. And keep your claws sharp. Uh...